and turn to the book of Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua, the seventh chapter, Joshua chapter seven. Sunday evenings, we're going through the book of Joshua, and we are all the way to chapter seven. Sometimes on the Lord's Supper night, I will bypass a series that we're doing and go and do something uh, the whole service dedicated to the Lord's Supper, and we'll go to different passages, and we've done a number of different things. Uh, and this evening, when I looked at chapter 7 of uh, Joshua, I thought, I can think of no better passage to precede the Lord's Supper than Joshua chapter 7. And Joshua chapter 7 is about dealing with sin. And when you come to the table this evening... 1 Corinthians 11 admonishes you to deal with sin. There are a lot of Christians that will skip the Lord's Supper night because there's sin in their life and they don't want to make it right. Well, that's, that's nonsense. The 1 Corinthians does not say skip the Lord's Supper if you have sin in your life. 1 Corinthians 11 says fix the sin in your life and take the Lord's Supper. This do in remembrance of me. That's not a suggestion. That's not an alternative. That's deal with sin and participate in the Lord's Supper. So you've got 30 minutes uh, this evening to deal with sin. After the message, we're going to have a time here at the front that you can come and you can bow your knee before God. You don't, listen, you don't confess your sin to, to, the, to the bishop. I get a lot of teasing because my last name is Bishop. Uh, you don't confess your sin to me. You don't have to tell me what it is. I don't, I don't need to know what it is. You confess your sin to the... Me- There's one mediator. One. Jesus Christ. You go to the Lord and take it there. Uh, husbands, if you've... Uh, <coughs> uh, if you've uh, fussed at your wife on the way to church tonight, uh, before you go to the Lord, you might want to go to your wife and just say, Hey, honey, I... Uh, Raise my voice to you this evening on the way to church, and that's not right. And it's not right. And make it right. A young person, if you're thinking that maybe uh, you've done something to offend mom or dad, and just reach over to mom, this is a great place to do it. Because probably, although I saw a frying pan, probably your mother is not going to hit you with a frying pan in the service. She might be tempted to do that at home, but she's not going to do it here in this room. You really know mom and say, Mom, I'm... I treated you poorly. I've had a bad attitude. I've been a rebel. Uh, Please forgive me. Uh, Because we know from 1 Corinthians 13 that that person that eats, comes to the table, and drinks unworthily, uh, it runs in risk of death. And wouldn't that change uh, your demeanor for the week if all of a sudden somebody took uh, the elements of the Lord's Supper and they dropped dead in the room? Uh, That that has not been diminished since uh, God had the Apostle Paul write that to us. So Joshua chapter 7 is dealing with sin, the consequences of not dealing with sin, the consequences of waiting to deal with sin uh, until God, God exposes it. That's never a good plan. Never a good plan. There are lots of those. You look around, around the nation, there's a, there's a Baptist preacher uh, that took his life just in the last couple of days, uh, down, uh, down south, uh, because uh, he had sin exposed on the national media. 
That is not a good plan to wait until it's exposed on the national media. It's better when you're sitting in a church service and God pokes you a little bit and says, Hey, 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 you're talking to you, I'm talking to you, to get it right then. Uh, don't wait. Uh, Achan waited, and he waited to the detriment of himself and his family. Uh, we're in Joshua chapter 7. We'll let our little ones be dismissed for children's Bible time. I think it's every once in a while it's good for them to hear the preacher talk to them about uh, doing what is right. And children's Bible time with Mr. Frank, second grade on down. And Joshua chapter 7. <clears throat> uh, let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts and that we would understand your will and your word. We pray uh, this evening that you would do a work, uh, that if there is uh, a sin in the heart of man here in the room, that they would deal with it uh, before you have to deal with it, and that they would not think that they are going to be the exception to the rule. Uh, they are just going to be the next example. Uh, Father, we don't, I don't desire that for myself or my family or for my church family here, and so I pray that you'd help us to deal with sin uh, tonight, and we'll praise you uh, for what you do in our hearts as we pray to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> We're coming up to Joshua chapter 7. The first several chapters have been great. Chapter 5 talks about the necessity. They were facing Jericho. The children of Israel had left Egypt uh, and they, had they were prepared outwardly. They, boy, I tell you what, they kept the letter of the law in outward appearances, but they were not right on the inside. And so, when it came time to go and to claim the land, uh, they, weren't, they weren't spiritually prepared inwardly. And instead of going in and receiving God's blessing, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Now that generation has passed off the scene. And in chapter 5, God's talking to the next generation and said, Hey, your father's prepared outwardly, but not inwardly. But you're not prepared outwardly or inwardly. And both are important. And so chapter 5, they had to make those inward, uh, uh, sanctify yourselves. And then in chapter 6, they went and Jericho, they had to follow, uh, they had to follow the ark, which is a symbol of God's power, uh, God's presence, God's commandments, uh, were there. And they had to follow that. You gotta follow God's commandments. You just can't, just can't wing it. And uh, they had great victory in Jericho. Uh, but while they were claiming victory and while the walls came down and while Rahab the harlot in chapter 6 and her family were saved and God kept his promise to them, uh, there was some shenanigans going on by a man named Achan. And so in chapter 7, we have the children of Israel. Uh, they're going to Ai, which is the next thing. Uh, Jericho was huge and the, the obstacle was formidable. That double walled city with a 15, mile, 15 foot death zone between the two walls. And there was no way uh, that they, that was going to be conquered, and, and certainly not in seven days. But God gave the victory. The walls came down flat. Children of Israel walked straight in, straight in, and they conquered that city. Now they're looking at Ai. And not a big deal. A little place. And we don't even have to ever send everybody up. We'll just send a portion of the people. But it didn't end well. We're in chapter 7, Joshua, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. In the accursed thing. Now you read that first sentence and you think, no, 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 no. Children of Israel didn't do it. Achan did it. 
When you sin, when you sin, you do not sin just into yourself. You affect your family. They affected a nation. You affect me. My sin affects you. You can't, you can't say you're an island unto yourself. You're not. God does not say Achan sinned. God said the children of Israel sinned. That they had in the accursed thing. For Achan, then he names them, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Not against Achan. Again, when you sin, it affects me. When I sin, it affects you. God didn't say his anger was kindled against Achan. Anger was kindled against the children of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor, labor thither, for they, but they, for they are but few. Just a, little, just a little thing, just a little task. We don't need God's power for this. We don't need this to seek God's presence. You'll notice that that's not in this chapter. Nowhere before they involved themselves in this battle did they say, Lord, should we go up? Lord, how many times should we go around? Lord, should we send everybody up? There, there is no inquiry of the Lord. And you can look at this and you can say, wow, they, they should have at least asked God uh, <laughs> how they should proceed. But let me ask you a question. You're going to get up tomorrow morning. Are you going to do that? You're going to go out the day. Tomorrow you're going to fight battles. Are you going to ask God before the day gets started how, how you should proceed, where you should go? Are you going to look in your life to see if there's sin that needs to be fixed in your family, how that's being hidden. Are you going to pray that that's revealed? Are you just going to get up tomorrow morning and go and fight life battles and at the end of the day complain to God and say, God, how could you let that happen to me? Verse 4, So they went up thither, the people, about 3,000 men, and they, children of Israel, fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai smote of them. How many men lost their lives because of Achan's sin? Thirty and six men. As wives that weren't not going to have a husband anymore. Children that are not going to have a father anymore. Because somebody thought they could sin and it wasn't going to affect anybody else in the room. Verse 5. The men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men. For they chased them, humiliated them from before the gate, even unsure of them. And smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, battle is done. The men are dead. Now we're going to pray. Isn't that what we normally do? Joshua rent his clothes, verse 6, fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God! Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. But is it God's fault? Joshua didn't talk to him before he went to battle. Not God's fault. Don't blame God. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, 
and shall environ us round. Cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get up, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy faith? And notice God doesn't say in verse 11, Achan has sinned. God says Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their back before their enemies because they were, because they were cursed. Neither will I be, well, this is, this is huge. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up sanctify the people and say, what is verse 13? 13, chapter 5. Chapter 5, they sanctified themselves before they went against Jericho. The, the difference in chapter 7 is they went against Ai, and then after they had a defeat, then they sanctified themselves. That's, that's the wrong order. Up, sanctify yourselves, sanctify against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst, O Israel. Thou cannot stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Uh, what might that be? What do you got hidden? In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by household, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man by man. And it shall be that he that hath taken the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. And that was disseminated. We're, we're coming tomorrow. We're going to take care of business. And Achan sat there. He can't possibly know. I mean, I was good. I looked both ways, up and down, and I hid that. Nobody knows what I had. I mean, my family does, but they wouldn't rat me out. Verse 30. Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel, Mount Ebal. Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel. Turn too many pages. Verse 16, Joshua rose up early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Verse 17, getting close. Achan's tribe, he couldn't possibly come in my direction. Brought the family of Judah, took the family of the Zerhites. Brought the family of the Zerhites man by man. Zabdi was taken. And Achan is silent. Watching this unfold before his very eyes. And he brought his household, Zabdi's household, man by man. My dad had a very biblical approach to child rearing. Something was going on in the house. He lined us all up in the backyard. Got to switch off the old maple tree. I want to know who did it. Now, we all knew who did it. We all knew. 
Dad had a pretty good idea who did it. Anyone, child by child, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Every child, no, 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 no. Then you go back to the first one. Dad, always very polite. Mister, do you know who did? Tim, he was never, he never did anything wrong. Never. And Tim would say, yes. I'm not ratting out Stephen. He's bigger than I am, you know, kind of thing. He goes, Stephen, do you know who did? Stephen goes, yep. Yeah. Of course he knew it. He was the one. <laughs> he'd come to me and he'd say, do you know who did it? And I was, I was consistent. No, sir. A bold-faced lie. He'd go to Mark. Mark. Mark would say, yeah. Ruth would cry and she'd say, Stephen did it. <laughs> So Stephen would get spanked because he's the one that did it. And I would get spanked because I was the one that lied because he knew that I knew. And Tim knew that I knew and Mark knew that I knew and Ruth knew that I knew. And, uh, and so here's God. He's going family by family. And we're going to get to the one who did it. And Aiken's not going to fess it up right to the very end. He's going to be in big trouble. Joshua said, verse 19, Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> man, Joshua, you got me. Man, I didn't think you were coming to me. I thought, man, I skated away from that every month, you know. <laughs> And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. Notice how he calls what God calls a cursed. When I saw among the spoils, what is a spoil? The spoil is what a country or army was allowed to take as a result of the conquest. It was considered their pay. For, for winning the battle. They could take of the spoils, of the food, of the clothing, of the gold, of the silver. But that's not what God talks about it as. So, so here's what we say when we justify our sin. It's, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. Right? That's not what God says. Matthew chapter 5, God says that's adultery. Oh, no, well, I, I, I cheated on my wife. It just, you know, no, it, it's absolutely adultery. We, we minimize sin. He's minimizing sin. I'm, I'm, I'm taking up the spoils. What anybody would have done. I know. God called it a curse. supposed to be destroyed. He didn't do it. A goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of 50 shekels weight. And I coveted, I coveted them, took them. And behold, they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent. Didn't bring them any happiness. Had to hide them. How do you hide something in the midst of your tent? Hey, Dad, what's that big hole for? Shh. Quiet. 
after things calm down, a couple of years, we'll get this out, we'll be rich. People say, where'd that come from? Huh? You know, uh, I don't know. Some uh, trader down the road just happened to have some uh, uh, artifacts from uh, 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 Jericho and... Uh, Oh, uh, you know, there they were, and I got them for a good price. You know, lie, lie, liar, liar, pants on fire. You've you, you got to think about how you can justify this, how you can hide. Well, listen, Proverbs said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You can cover it. And many years ago, uh, I was preaching on a Sunday morning. And I have no idea what possessed me to say this. Said, so you got booze hidden in your sock drawer, and God knows it. On the way out the door, the man didn't stop me and say, You know. I go, You know what? You know. You said it this morning. I said, I said what? You know the booze in the sock drawer? My wife found it, didn't she? I said, No. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Your wife has not talked to me, but thank you for confessing uh, that you have booze hidden in your sock drawer. Obviously, God knew you had booze in your sock drawer. Well, then my outline, I have no idea why you said it, but God, listen, God knows it's there. You can't hide it from Him. Texas, this week, trick or treating. Rich neighborhood, a guy took a basket of candy. And he put it on his front porch. You probably saw the video. It's been all over. It's got millions of views. People, it's been on the evening news. Uh, three or four ladies are seen with their kids coming up to the porch. And the, not the kids, the adult ladies are emptying out the bowl in front of his security camera. he got pictures of them. He plastered their picture all over the news. Uh, these, these ladies are going to go home and say to their kids, thou shalt not steal. Aiken, steal in front of their kids. And what, what kind of lesson are we teaching, teaching them? The cameras say, God always brings sin to light. And long before there were ring video cameras, God saw it. God saw it. Growing up over the years, our, our kids, uh, they, were, they were normal kids. They had sin problem because their father had a sin problem. That would be me. And they would hide things in their room. It was just amazing to me. I'd come home and Mrs. Bishop would say, we need to talk. I was cleaning uh, Daniel's room. I'd, what, what possesses a lady to do this? Mrs. Bishop would get up and she would say, you know what? Today, I think I'm going to clean the dust ruffle between the mattress and the box spring in Daniel's room. I mean, I would not do that for a million years. But there she goes. Go in the bedroom. I, and, and I fuss at her. Don't be picking up that heavy stuff by yourself. That's why you got a husband who won't pick it up. <laughs> She go in there, she lifted that thing up, got it off the side, she looked, and there's stuff hidden. Hidden hidden between the mattress and the box springs. Mrs. Bishop and I, from Joshua chapter seven, were always thankful that God brought sin to light. Because as long as that was hidden and we didn't know about it, we couldn't deal with it. But when God brings it to light, we were able to deal with it. 
I deal with things a little bit differently than you do, uh, I would say, Mrs. Bishop, give them to me, put the bed back together. And the kids would come home. It might take a day, typically not longer than a day, that kid goes to the bedroom and lifts up the mattress. <gasps> it's not there. Maybe I pushed it away. I can almost see them in their room, taking the mattress off, uh, throwing up the dust ruffle, uh, reaching around. Thinking, I know I put it there. And, and I'm upstairs, sitting in the living room, sitting in my chair, just waiting for them to come in. And it didn't take too long. They'd come into the room and they'd sit down in the living room and they'd say, or I did. And I would say, what? What, son? What are you talking about? He said, you know, Dad, I hate it when you do that. What? What? Please tell me. Please tell me what's going on in your life. You've got a problem. I'm the one you can come to. And they go, oh, Dad, please don't do that to me. And God bring us into light. Listen, God brings sin to light in your household. You need to deal with it before God does. I can't tell you the number of times that I've gone to prison. Not personally. Well, personally, but as a visitor. Uh, to visit people that sat in these pews that thought they could get away with sin. Teenagers, are you hearing me? A juvie. Because you thought you could get away with sin. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. God always brings sin to light. Unfortunately, when you're a pastor, that's going to make the national news. As it did today. We look at that and think, why would God, why would God do this? Why would God allow... His people to be humiliated and defeated. Here's what we human beings do not understand about God. Are you listening? God would rather His name to suffer reproach among the heathen than for you and I to have a false relationship with Him. And so God's going to let His people be humiliated. Because he wants sin to be dealt with. And he's not going to let Achan carry on. Everything's all right. I'm sure. Sing the songs. Live your Bible. Put on, put on a happy Baptist Sunday's face. God's not going to allow that. He's not going to allow that. So he took him and hit him. And everybody in his family knew it. Verse 22. Joshua sent messengers and they ran up to the tent. Behold, it was hidden in the tent. Silver under it. They took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver and the garment, the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them into the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a giant heap of stones unto this day. Verse 26, an interesting chapter. You look at that and go, what in the world is that? Yeah, every once in a while, they'd be walking out. And uh, tell you what, those memorials, when the children of Israel came up, uh, over the Red Sea, over the Jordan River, they raised a memorial of stones. Now, this is a different kind of memorial, still a memorial of stones. Do you want to say, Dad, Dad what's that heap of stones? Oh, 
Let, let me tell you about this heap of stones. Let me tell you about Uncle Achan and what he did. That heap of stones will remind us. Matter of fact, let's add a couple to the pile. Get his kids. And they would. As families went by over the years, they would put stones on the pile to remind their children God deals with sin. You can deal with it between you and the Lord, or God will bring it to light. God, God always brings sin to light. The number one lesson we tried to teach our children, God always brings sin to light. Always does. Albert Estrada, San Diego, California, this week. Got a little enterprise. Got an eBay business going on. Needed some items to sell. So he'd been going to the airport. Walk into the airport, go to the return luggage thing, and uh, pick up luggage and walk away with it. People would come and they'd say, where's my luggage? And the airport couldn't figure it out. And day after day after day, luggage missing. He's selling it on eBay. You're buying it. Look on a video camera, and here's a guy that doesn't have an airline ticket. He's walking in here every day, and so they just waited for him. You, you can't go anywhere without a camera. You can't go anywhere without the eyes of the Lord, Christian. You may think you have it hidden in a file on your computer. God knows exactly where it is. You may think you have it encrypted by software. God's got the key. It'd be best if we dealt with those things before God did. Charged 22 counts of theft. Just a little thing, just a suitcase, not a little thing. You can come here tonight and you can pour out your heart before the Lord at this altar. You can look at your husband and look at your wife and say, I have sinned. Or you can be exposed, humiliated, defeated, destroyed, and in the world news tomorrow morning. Then you can come to me and whine and moan and complain. Even accuse God falsely. Oh, why has God done this to me? What have I ever done? Uh, and... And God said, I'll, I'll tell you what you've done. I'll put it in chapter 7 of the book of Joshua. That everybody can keep adding. And here we are, 2023. We're still adding to the heap of stones. They say, God deals with sin, if you will not. You can deny it. Texas, FedEx driver, walking up to the, walking up to the, walking up to home. He's got a package in his hand. From behind him, a man comes up and says, hey, that's my package. The FedEx guy's like, I know the homeowners that live here. This is not your package. And the FedEx guy goes, no, 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 not your package. He says, yes, yes, this is my package. And the FedEx driver is turning around. The guy's chasing him, grabs the package out of his hand, says, I tell you, that's my package. And he ran down the driver, got his car and drove away. He was stealing. It's on camera. Going to jail today. Everybody's got a camera. And God's eyes are everywhere. Confession. But too late. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. We're going to go into the Lord's Supper in just a moment. If you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior. I should let the elements go by. But more important than that, you should come to Christ for salvation. Because you've got a sin problem. Uh, Christ has provided the solution and has shed blood on Calvary's cross. 
Or you can wait before you stand before the judge in eternity and go, nobody ever told me I was a sinner and needed a Savior. And that's just, as Aiken figured out, that's just too late. And if you're tonight, you're here, you don't have Christ, you don't have salvation, you're trying to get to heaven by your good works, by your baptism, by your church membership, by keeping the golden rule, but you've never come to Christ and Christ alone for salvation. And tonight you raise your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. I'm not saved. I need to be saved. Will you pray for me? Slip your hand up. Hold it up for just a moment. Let me pray for you. Looking around the room, left to right, up and down. Okay, I see no hands. Second question is this. For every person in the room that names the name of Jesus Christ, are you right? In a moment, we're going to go to the Lord's table. Some are weak and sickly among you, and some are asleep, dead, because they said, I don't think God will ever expose my sin. And the invitation is for you. Timothy, we're not going to play at this moment. We're just going to be quiet. And let's let you stand to your feet for just a moment. You've been sitting for a while. If you want to kneel at your pew, you can. If you want to kneel here at the front, you can. But I challenge you in the next several moments to deal with sin. You want a preacher to pray for you? I'll be glad to do that. You obey as God speaks to your heart. God spoke to your heart where you come.